Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. Occasionally I like to throw these things out. It's just something that struck me funny. You guys know that school just started this last week. Uh, at least for most people, I think some are still working on that. But I was driving by on Wednesday, the day school opened, and you always can tell because there's yellow buses driving around and kids and everybody's excited about school. Well, I was driving by one of the schools, and I had to do a double take because I looked into the parking lot, and there were people out there actually painting stripes on the parking lot. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm laughing sort of to myself, and I'm like, they had the whole summer <laughs> to figure out that they needed to paint stripes on the parking lot at the school. Just a random thought that I had. Anyway, there probably was a very good reason. <laughs> Nothing to do with my message, but we'll find somehow where that may plug in. I don't know. Yeah. I, um, as Jeff was alluding to earlier, there's just been this the topic that I've been covering in uh, the last couple of weeks and wanted to continue in that. Before I do that, though, I wanted to, I was reading this morning, I got up early and I was reading an article that popped up on my phone, it was talking about the decline in the church in America, and especially it focused on the age group of 35 and under, and why is it that that age group is leaving Christianity? And it because it, the statistics are saying it's on the decline, it's on the decline. And it started making me think about this a little. Well, I've been thinking about this for a while, but the word community, which kept coming back to my mind since Jeff was spoke about that and the thought and process about that. But the question was, you know, what is the real reason? What is the real reason that young Christians believers are leaving the faith. And so they went through Pew Research, has done a lot of research on this, and so they had allowed their respondents to answer. They had given categories, but they realized that these young people didn't want to be shoehorned necessarily into a category, although they filled out some of the things, but they really wanted to answer on their own, to say, this is why. And so it's interesting that they said they no longer identify with Christianity or with the religious group because they no longer believe it is true. Very interesting. So they go on to elaborate some specific things. And I'll just read some of these real quick. Statements like, learning about evolution when I went away to college was intriguing. Rational thought makes religion go out the window. Lack of any sort of scientific or specific evidence of a creator. I just realized somewhere along the line that I didn't really believe it. I'm doing a lot more learning, studying, and kind of making decisions myself rather than listening to someone else. They don't have firsthand experience of Jesus Christ in their life. And I was thinking about, even when Jeff was talking about the glory of God and the evidence of God, and, and, and I think the church in America, and probably in so many ways, were missing because they want to see something real. They want to see the evidence of a God. And I believe that uh, it really comes down to, obviously, God working through us 
to accomplish that so they can see it in us, to see the reality, because they're looking for genuine. They're looking for, for what is real. And I think there's just a lot of things in the church that have given them the thoughts that this isn't really where I'm going to find what I'm looking for. I think we have a, a generation that their parents didn't necessarily invest into them because it's a, a churchless generation. And so we have this thing that's happening to where now they're feeling the need to really figure it out for themselves and they're discovering, hmm, I don't even believe in the existence of God. That was some of the topic that was covered as well. And it has a lot to do with a lot more now the intellectual skepticism now because it's a lot more of the thoughts of the mind. Somehow it's, so they're missing the heart, missing the heart, the heart of God, the heart of Jesus. And so I believe as a church, it's our responsibility, because I'm thinking about inside the four walls here, whether it's a Sunday or being the church, I think we need to do a better job, and I'm saying the church in a whole, but at CLC as well, I'm saying this as your pastor who loves you, we need to do a better job at community. If it's not working well in here, it's not going to work well out there. And so when people come in and they're looking around at the church and they're saying, these people don't even like each other, you know, that's their perspective. They're not hanging out together. They're not fellowshiping. They're not getting to know each other more. They're not having conversation. They're not, they're grabbing their purses and they're going to whatever they've got going on. I'm not saying that's true across the board. I'm just saying that there's the pockets of that that I believe people see when they come into a local church. They're saying, how can I even get in here? There's, there's no place for me to get, even get in here and to belong, to identify, and to be able to crack into something. We need to be those that are embracing people and say, you know what? We're not perfect people, but we love God, and he, we know he loves us, and we love you, and hey, let's do this thing called life together, and let's experience the glory of God together. Let's experience miracles together. Anyway, I, I just thought... It was interesting. I thought it'd be worth for me just to take a few minutes and talk about. Those are legitimate questions that these young people have. So I believe that it's time for us to give them a reason why they should stay in the church. It's us. It's us. We have to be those people. They have to see something in us that, that they see value in. Because they're looking for that. They're looking for being genuine. They're looking for value. I believe the church is sensing that, is lacking that strong sense of community. There's a lack there. You know what I was thinking about too? So often we're not even talking about the things of the Lord with each other as believers. You know what we're doing? We're talking about why so-and-so in the church shouldn't get to do that, or they shouldn't do that, or they did that wrong. Or why aren't they doing this, or... That's our conversations, unfortunately. Instead of getting together for coffee or getting together and say, isn't God good? The goodness of God. Talking about the faithfulness of God in our lives. We're missing something. I'm not saying that we have every time we get together, it has to be some big spiritual thing, but there's got to be something that we're connecting going, we have something in common here that's amazing. Let's grab hold of it. Let's talk about this. Let's encourage each other in this. Anyway, I just want to be encouraging you this morning. We can do better. We can do better.
And I'm saying we because I'm, I'm just as much a part of this as all of you guys here today. We can do better. And I believe when we can do that here, it will begin to transform into other people's lives and they'll see, they'll see the genuineness of who we are and what, it's not about us. Yeah, it's not about us. It's about him. And so I, I'm actually excited about what God is up to and where he's going with us and what he's wanting from us. He's just asking us to step up a little bit in some things. It's time that we get serious about who he is. If we don't believe in him and his, his faithfulness, then how in the world is somebody else going to believe that by talking to us? You can hang around somebody, and in a matter of a few minutes, you can get a feel of kind of what their attitude is or their negativity or just their thoughts about life or God or anything. It should be as soon as somebody gets around us and they begin to, it's the old question. It's like, there's something different about you. Boy, what an open door. Yeah. Because as soon as you start in some track that they're like, man, I've heard this before, or I've heard that complaint before, why are you, you know, you're missing the opportunity. So it really is a good time to be alive. It's a good time to be a Christian. It's a good time to be followers of Christ. And I am excited about it. There's so many good things going on, and I want to be a part of that. And you know what? I know we all do. We all want to be a part of what he's doing. And unfortunately, the church in America today, the the representation of the church in America today, they've taken that which should be a priority of making Jesus Christ and God the center of our life. They've moved it off to just another piece of their life. And so we see that it's resembled in the church in the sense in America that, eh, I'll go to church if, I, if it's convenient. I'll connect with people if it's convenient. Yes, only thing that matters is just that I'm a Christian and, you know, I love God and he knows that and, and it's good. But that's not, and that's another topic and we'll get into that another time. But there's something to be said about fellowshipping together as a church and worshiping. So with that... I'm 11 minutes and 35 seconds into my time this morning, but it's time well spent, I believe. So I want to pray, and then we're going to jump into some things and try to bring some remedies or some some answers, hopefully, to some of the questions or some of the things that we may have in this area that we're talking about the last couple of weeks, which is this just this whole area of suicide, depression, thoughts of suicide, that kind of a thing, the hopelessness. So, Lord, I just pray right now as we take the next few minutes and dive into some things that are in your word, that you are clear in your word, that will be helpful tools for us. And, Lord, we know these are are practical things. They're in your word, and we want to receive them, God, with hearts that are open to hearing from you this morning. So I pray that you speak to each one of us exactly how we need to hear from you. Whatever that is, however that is, God, that we would receive from you this morning a nugget of something that we can walk out of this place and say, you know what, that was good. I could use that. That's what I needed to hear today, and that we would act on that. So I thank you. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Amen. Again, the scripture that I used, John 10.10, this is the, the describing the enemy and describing Jesus Christ. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We know his plan, we know his purpose, cut and dry, it's clear. We also should know and believe 
even to a greater level who Jesus is. What does he come to do? He, his purpose is to give us life and a rich and satisfying life, an abundant life, an overflowing life. We know that is exactly his plan. We know exactly what the devil's plan is. So we need to know that we're moving into that area of grabbing a hold of his plan, saying, that's for me, and I'm going to pursue that. I wanted to just real quick go back to a couple of the situations in the Bible, the men in the Bible that had committed suicide, and just take a couple thoughts, and then we'll move into some scripture. Saul, we talked about, really kind of lost his sanity in this whole battle thing, and understanding that he's, his three sons were killed, there was a lot of stress coming on his life, so he ended up ending his life. It was something, what he came to this place of hopelessness, fell on his sword, and then his armor bearer did the same, and it was just this thing, a feeling of hopeless. And then we had this Ahithophel. Uh, he was a, once a trusted counselor. He was this counselor that was ruined by his ambition. He had ambition to plot against David, to, to go after David, was refused by Absalom. He was so, felt so defeated because I think he was so arrogant about him and his ideas and his plans. He felt disgraced. So whatever that meant to him, so he went out, set his affairs in order, and he hung himself. Not a good ending, but there was a sense of dis being disgraced. Then we, we talked about Judas, who also hung himself. We talked about that, and his, his suicide was, I think, when, as we see it today, it was far more tragic in the sense of his connection with Jesus, that direct connection that he had, and seeing the betrayal of his Lord and Savior, and walking down that path, and that he gave up Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, and then it dawned on him and realized that Jesus wasn't going to get himself out of this thing, that he, all of a sudden he realized, this is on me. I'm the one that gave up my Lord to be crucified. And so he's realizing that this isn't a good situation. He regretted what he'd done. He brought back the money, and he told the priests and leaders, he said, I've made a mistake. I've sinned. I've erred, and I'm bringing this money back. And they said, we don't care. Whatever you're, we don't care about that at all. We're going to take this Jesus, and we're going to crucify him. So this, with this expression of remorse and, and everything with that, but he couldn't see his way out. He couldn't see his way out of the situation, so he hung himself. But here's the thing that I mentioned last week, who recognized he didn't go to the one that he sinned against. He didn't go to Jesus, and he probably was embarrassed, ashamed, all of those things that probably happened. He didn't go with the, to Jesus. But I will tell you this. As sure as I'm sure as I'm sure, if he had gone to Jesus, 100% forgiveness would have been granted to him the same as it was for others, whether it was Peter or others. It was there for him. The grace was there for him. You have to believe that because that's true for us. There's not one thing that you or I could do that would remove Jesus from saying absolute forgiveness to you absolute forgiveness to you and to be able to move on and have live an exciting life. So I wanted to hit on some of the solutions, maybe some of the resolves that we can have when it comes to depression that leads to thoughts of suicide or suicide. The first thing is just renewed vision of God and being centered upon him. I want to read some verses here out of Romans chapter 8. 
And I want to read this. this. is in the Message Bible. You'll see it up on the screen. Those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle but never get around to exercising it in real life. Those who trust God's actions in them find that God's spirit is in them, living and breathing God. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into a space, free life. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God, ends up thinking more about self than God. And we know that's where so often we end up. When we, we get so focused on ourselves and our issues, our problems, and now we're not moving in the Spirit, we're not connected with the Holy Spirit and having that life expression of the Holy Spirit coming into our life. In verse 6 that we just read in the New Living, it says this, So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Our focus shouldn't be on the death part and the control, but our focus should be on, wow, if I submit myself to the Holy Spirit, life and peace, there's something powerful there. Back many, many years ago, 27 years ago or so, my wife and I were involved in a a pretty bad accident up in Seattle. We were hit by a Metro bus. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but it doesn't tickle. And so... We ended up being carted off to the hospital, and Jane was about three and a half months pregnant with Nick at the time. It took me down this path of frustration, of woe is me, how come this, how come that, even though in the midst of it, God's hand was there, but I had this sense that I was, I didn't like who I was becoming. In my conversations with the I guess the attorneys from the other side or or whatever, because we were trying to deal with this on our own and realizing this wasn't a good idea. But I I found myself becoming this person that I didn't like. I was focused on self. I was focused on, and for whatever reason, during a a period of time, I was not giving myself to the Holy Spirit. And it dawned on me, because one day I decided, well, I'm going to (laughs) pray. I don't know where we get that idea. But it was a good idea. And I felt the Holy Spirit spoke to me so strongly. He said, Steve, you can keep going down this path of woe is me, self-pity, why this and why that. Or you can turn and face the wind. The Holy Spirit will be with you and help you through this. It's not going to take away, but it's going to impart and bring to you something that will give you life and will give you peace and strengthen. And for several months, he just spoke to me and said, I want you to fast one day a week one day a week and focus on me until I tell you otherwise. I did it for a long time, and those days were special days. Think allowing the Holy Spirit to control my mind versus me controlling my mind. And so often that's what happens in times of depression. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Again, coming back to that place of fixing our thoughts on him, trusting him. The second one is build hope and trust in God. Building hope and trust in God in the time of of depression, it's hard to do, but that's important for us. Psalm 42, 11, 
David says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? He doesn't stop there, though. He says, I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. He knew that he was in this funk. He knew things weren't going good, and he expressed it. It's okay to express to God how we're feeling. But I don't like how I'm feeling right now, God. I, I'm discouraged. I'm sad. But God, one thing I know, that I will put my hope in you. I will put my trust in you. And he begins to, he, he becomes very faithful in that. I remember several years ago, my wife and I were just going through this difficult time, and we were trying to, like, God, what is going on? And we, we were stressing about something. And there was a, a pastor that, uh, a friend of ours, that, not from the area, but he spoke a word to our life, said, God just, God's telling me to tell you guys this, that you need to trust God in this situation. How many times have we heard that? But so, so often we don't do it. And it was just kind of this like, you, you kind of have this resistance for a bit, right? You're checking that word. You're going, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but I don't know if I, I can do this, but I can't. And it doesn't feel good at all. But then when we come together in our prayer and go, you know what? We have to. We have to. We have to make this conscious decision. We are trusting God no matter what. And we do. And then we begin, and it takes time. Because so often our trust in God is like tomorrow. He's going to be there tomorrow. So God, I'll trust you tonight. When I wake up tomorrow, it's going to be fixed. That's not how it works most of the time. We know that. But time, time, allow the time, allow him to work, because there's a lot of things that are going on. It's not just you or me that has, has things going. He's working things in multiple people. And every person has a choice, right? We all have choices we make. And so we're, he's just waiting for it to line up. And then all of a sudden, you step back and you go, ah, he did it. He did it. That's like we're surprised or something. But he allows those things into our life because he wants us to trust him and have our hope in him. Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and 8. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along the riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Oh, that's so good. They're not bothered by the circumstances. They're not worried by the circumstances in their life. Their roots go so deep that there's nothing that's going to rock them. So why do we at times stop producing fruit? I know why. Because somewhere along the line, we stopped trusting. And we lost hope. It's direct correlation to the fruit in our life. It's time to get back to trusting and hope. We got to get back to that simple thing, but it, it's a challenge. And I know when you're going through something, you're in the middle of depression, it is hard to get outside. I understand that. But that's where you have to rely 100% on God. Because so often we try to fix it ourselves. We try to, I'll just sleep this off. I'll just, I'll take these pills. I'll do this. I'll do that. And eventually we get to that place where we don't know what happened. The next one, I'm excited to talk about this one <laughs> praise and worship. Praise and worship often supported with music, very much so, because that's such a key. This is an interesting one, and I, I have 
learned so much in this area. Psalm 138 verse 2 says this, I bow before your holy temple as I worship. I praise your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness. For your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. Man, you can't get a better backing and a better promise than his name. The name of Jesus, the name of God. He backs everything he says. He backs it up. It's a promise. That's what I love about David. In the midst of all of his stuff, and we know, most of us know what he went through and the sins and all the mistakes he made and all the errors, but he always came back to this place of, but God. But my hope, my trust. I'm feeling horrible today, but God. And it's okay to express those things, as I said earlier, because all of God's promises are backed by the honor of his name. We got to grab hold of that. I want to tell you this story because, you know, as a pastor, so many times I get tested in the things that I talk about. And I don't know why. I don't know why God does that to me. He allows me to go through this stuff. And I was in the midst of this big test. And I was stressing out about something. And and most of you know me. I don't stress a lot about a lot. (laughs) I'm just like, God, just more my personality than actually my spiritual um, whatever. (laughs) It's really not that as much as it's more my personality. It's not that I have some great spiritual insight and do this so well, because I don't. I just happen to be blessed with a body that doesn't get high stressed very often. So, but I was in this place, and I was feeling, I wasn't sleeping at night. I was worried, and I was telling my wife, I said, man, I haven't felt like this. I don't understand. And so one morning, I I wasn't sleeping. It was 4 o'clock. It was a Sunday morning, 4 o'clock. And so, man, I was just feeling my body wasn't feeling right, and I just, everything. So I got up, and I went, I thought, I'm going to go take my blood pressure. So we have this blood pressure thing at the house. And so I went out and took my blood pressure, and I I couldn't believe it. Like, I got to check that again. The highest I think I've ever had my blood pressure is like 137, which some people are like, man, I wish mine was that. But that's that's about it. So I took my blood pressure. It was like 193. And I thought, man, this isn't healthy for me. This isn't good. And immediately the Holy Spirit said, well, time to put something into practice that you've preached about, you've talked to people you've done. And I said, Lord, okay, you're right. You know what I did? I went and got my phone. I plugged in my headphones and I put on my worship set and I sat for one hour from four to five in the morning-ish, leaned back, and I just began to worship. Here's the cool thing, and I dare you to try this. When you get into a spot where you're in a funk or you're depressed or you're, you're challenged or you're stressed or whatever, Put your music on. Begin, because here's what happened with me. This is honest truth. After the hour, the Lord said, go take your blood pressure again. I did. It had dropped already 30 points. And I said, I know exactly why. Because I just sense the presence of God. I just sense such a refreshing coming over me that I can't explain it. And there's no way that you can do that outside of his presence. You can't, no doctor can do that for you. You can't go to a therapist. You can't go and say, wow, I'm so stressed. Can you help me? And you walk out of the office, and I don't think you're any less stressed than when you walked in there. You might have a good idea or something, but I'm telling you, I'm promising you what the word says is true, that praise and worship is a great answer. It's a great antidote to depression, to, to challenges, to stress. 
It works. It's the matter of us being listening to the Holy Spirit to get in that place. Because so often the enemy goes, don't go there. You don't go there because God's going to reject you or he's not going to hear you or he's not going to help you. He's not because look what you did. Look what you're going through. God isn't going to care about you. That's a lie from the enemy that says steal, kill, and destroy. And you plug that worship in and what happens is he's coming to give you life. He's coming to give you abundant life. Overwhelming, overflowing. Come on now. Let's do this stuff. Because I, I talk to a lot of people and we, we talk through a lot of things and somehow uh, we're all there, including myself. We forget some of those key things that get us where we get us through stuff. And praise and worship is one of those tools that is amazing. So if you're not doing it, I encourage you to do it. Get a playlist. If you need a playlist, if you have talked to my wife, talk to our worship people. Any, get a playlist. Is that your go-to list? I've got however many a dozen songs that are amazing. You handpick those that you know that, that something can happen and touch you. There are certain songs that do. Psalm 100, verse 1. Shout with the joy of the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us, and we are His. Come on now. Say, I am His. I am His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving. Go into His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise Him. Come on, there's something, a theme here. There's a theme here. We, we, we got to grab a hold of this. I, I want to read verse 4 in the Message Bible here. You see this says, enter with the password, thank you. How many times do we not thank him? We go to him with all of our problems. God, I'm in this mess, and you better fix it. You better get me out of this thing. And he said, just come to me with thanks. First thing I, I, I practice this. Lord, first thing I want to do, because I'm, I'm not happy about something right now, but I'm going to set that aside just for a second. Lord, I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you. And it changes something. Thank you for whatever you're thankful for, because there are so many things to be thankful for. Thank you that my parents spanked me when I was a kid. You could even thank them for that, because you know what? That means they loved you. <laughs> it's good to be able to grow up and not get spanked anymore, but... <laughs> Psalm 147.1, praise the Lord. How good to sing praise to our God. How delightful and how fitting. Yeah. It fits. It fits. It's not awkward. It fits. When we go to him, he is so faithful. And then the next one is the, just the fact of reviewing what God has done. We all have things. How about Psalm 77, 11, and 12 again? I love David in this. But then... After all this, then I recall all you have done. Oh, Lord, I remember your wonderful deeds long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. Come on now. I think we forget about those things. We forget about his mighty works because we're so entrenched in our problem and our this, woe is me, and this and that. We forget about his mighty works. What happened the day you said yes to Jesus Christ and to be your Savior, your Lord? 
What happened to that day? What happened on that day? That was exciting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to relationship with my creator. Somehow we forgot that mighty work, the greatest miracle ever, salvation. Come on, we need to go back and review some of that. Review what God has done. Isaiah 46, 9. Remember the things I have done in the past, for I alone am God. I am God, and there is none like me. We got to believe that, that he is God. There's none like him. I just think of things, God, what can I be thankful for? Well, there's a lot of things. Just off the top of my head, I just remember one. Uh, our son Nick, when he was a little boy, I don't know, three or four years old, running through a, a store, full speed, because he ran everywhere he went all the time, ran through the house all the time. He hurtled the furniture and rolled, rollerbladed through the house and played hockey and all of those things. And he was running full speed, looking back, and he ran smack into a, turned around and smack into a big steel post in the, in, in the store. <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever you want to interpret that to what you see today. <laughs> he flew backwards several feet. It, we were all, we were there. And it, was, it was like, oh my, this is not good. And we immediately rushed to his aid, had this, starting this huge honking thing. And I won't go into the whole story. He ended up in the hospital um, we were probably not as smart parents as we should have been. We should have took him sooner. But God covers those things, and that was maybe more me. It's like, come on, you're okay. Put some ice on it. <clears throat> I've learned. I've learned. My kids will tell you. <laughs> There's a lot more stories than that. But they're alive to tell it today, so that's good. Something else to be thankful for. End up at the hospital, Jane calls me at work and says, it's not good. The doctors are really concerned. He's not responding. He's delirious, all the different things. So I jump in the car, I go up there, and the doctor said, we're finding some bad things on x-ray here. His brain's swelling. There's real problems going on. I wanted to try to talk to him. No, there was no connection there. We started praying. Started praying, Lord, you know. They had said we need to take him for some more tests. We were just interceding and praying. And... When he, they came back and stuff, he came back, and all of a sudden, we were having a conversation, and he seemed completely normal. And then the doctor comes in, and it's like, this thing, this scan or whatever just showed you've got some serious problems. He shouldn't be talking. He shouldn't be coherent, any of that. But that was the miracle that I can look back and go, hey, I'm thankful for the hand of God. When we seek him and we, we intercede in prayer, he, he comes on our behalf. And I believe it worked for a couple reasons. One, he loves Jesus. Number two, he found an incredible woman to get married to. So his thinking is clear. <laughs> so it's good. So good job, Nick. We're looking forward to a, a wedding coming up in a few weeks. Celebration with you guys. So that just find things to be thankful for. Be thankful for. Psalm 116.5, how kind the Lord is, how good he is, so merciful, this God of ours. And then prayer. Oh, this one we could talk forever, but we're, man, 38 minutes and 29 seconds. Well, I want to finish this, okay, because I'm determined to finish. We're going to do this. You guys okay? Do you need a break? No, you're good? All right. Okay, because we could pass out water. We could do whatever. Anyway, so prayer. Here's something. Here's a thought. I'm always good with individuals praying, praying on our own. We do that. But I want to encourage you. 
Because this is so important when we're in a time of we're in this place of depression or challenge or stress. Grab one or two other people that will agree with you in prayer. Share whatever you feel comfortable sharing with them and say, would you join me in prayer? Would you commit to praying with me? And they're going to be texting you on the phone with you, talking. This is part of community. This is part of the being together as family. This is part of church is that we're there for each other. And so there's people who are going to commit themselves to praying for you. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, don't worry about anything. That's tough. (laughs) Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what all he's done. It's okay to tell him what you need, but also, as we said earlier, thank him for what all he's done. Then, then, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. This is good stuff. This is Bible. That's a good book. It's no wonder it's the greatest selling book in history. People just need to read it and believe it and follow it. How about Mark eleven twenty four? And this is in the Message Bible, but this is where Jesus had cursed the fig tree, and he comes back, and, he, and they're like, hey, man, that thing died. <laughs> Did what you said. But this is where he comes back, and he says, speak to your mountain. So he says this, that is why I urge you to pray for absolutely everything, ranging from small to large, including everything, as you embrace this God life, and you'll get God's everything. He's so committed. Embrace him. Embrace the life that he's given you. It's a God life that we live. And if we do that, you'll get his everything. That's in the word. And then the last one really is professional Christian counseling is often necessary, which is, is good. There's a scripture in Proverbs eleven fourteen, message version again. Without good direction, people lose their way. The more wise counsel you follow, the better your chances it's good to follow wise counsel. It is, especially when you have multiple counselors that are saying the same thing and encouraging you in the same direction. And I will say this, there's times where proper medication is necessary. There's even those times, and God works through those things too. So just to throw that out as, as a, a something. But let's stand and let's, let's sing this song again that we sang earlier. And uh, I'll come back and we'll pray. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast. 